Marjorie Harris Carr died on October 10th, 1997. Less than a year later, the Florida state government named 110 miles of land after her. She was 82 years old when she passed away from emphysema, which she had been struggling with for many years. Her husband, famous biologist Archie Carr, passed away a decade earlier. In the decade after his passing, Marjorie made more enemies than ever before, despite her failing health. She would attend environmental meetings, and when she couldn't, she would tape speeches and send them in to be played on the VHS. She had the ear of Governor Lawton Childs and the ire of several state legislators and fishing advocates. When she died, mourners praised her lifelong service to Florida's ecosystem, but lamented that her last fight went unfinished. The Rodman Reservoir still stood. The Rodman Reservoir is a fishery that was created along the Ocklawaha River in 1968. It was a dam put up along the river that cut off natural flow and created an artificial pool for fishers to sit out with their reels and hook largemouth bass. The year after it was built in 1969, Marjorie, along with other environmental activists, formed the Florida Defenders of the Environment, or the FDE. They worked with scientists from many different fields to create a report that outlined the impact of many of the actions being done to the ecosystem, including that of the reservoir. For Marjorie, her whole career had built up to that report. Born in Massachusetts in 1915, Marjorie Harris, one of the three iconic Marjories in Florida history, moved to Bonita Springs. She was just three years old. Her family took up residence in an orange grove until moving to Fort Myers in 1928. Her parents were both trained naturalists, experienced in the identification of species within the natural world. From a young age, Marjorie was trained in her parents' profession. I'm sure Marjorie had other opportunities before her, but she was quite literally born and raised for a profession in environmentalism and conservation. She attended Florida State College for Women, now known as Florida State University, where she studied botany, zoology, ornithology, and more under expert environmentalists at the time. She got her degree in zoology in 1936 and sought out a master's degree in the same field. However, women were not admitted to graduate programs in the fields of science, and Marjorie could not pursue her interests into a master's degree. Her life of consistent growth as an environmentalist hit a brick wall. That is, until the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service gave her an opportunity. She was hired to work at the Wilaka Fish Hatchery, northeast of the Ocala National Forest. Marjorie, by doing so, casually made history. She became the first ever female wildlife technician in the U.S. government. While working at the hatchery, she met her husband, Archie, and worked on a river that would soon define her career, the Ocklawaha. Over the next few years, she had five children, moved to Micanopy, and eventually achieved a master's degree in zoology at the University of Florida in 1942. By the time the 1960s rolled around, however, Marjorie Harris Carr had settled in on the mission that would define the rest of her life. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas had South Florida and the Everglades covered. Marjorie Harris Carr, who had made her home in Central Florida, had her sights set on an equally vital ecosystem, the rivers. For years, the state of Florida had been digging artificial waterways so as to create a cross-state barge canal. Miles and miles of land had been dredged, and dams were built to block the natural flow of the rivers. If she had it her way, the rivers would soon flow free. She did not see that goal completed in her lifetime, but the year after she passed away, that very same land was soon branded with her name. 
I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week, the Cross Florida Canal, Part 2, The Greenway. If you haven't listened to Part 1 from last week, go back and hear the origins of this canal, and then come on back for this season finale. This is a big, big story. This week, we'll be talking about the last gasp of the canal and the woman who went to war for the rivers. But Marjorie um, had a passion for Florida's environment, and she saw this as a, a terrible thing uh, for for this part of Florida, for all of Florida, and recognized that it was really not a long-term investment for Florida. That it would probably be a very, very likely to be a very short-lived kind of thing, even if it was profitable. That is Jim Gross. My name is Jim Gross. I'm a geologist. I have worked in water resources for a lot of years, <laughs> basically my whole career since since I got out of college, my bachelor's and master's in geology. I, I'm the executive director of Florida Defenders of the Environment, and I'm also an adjunct professor of earth science at Santa Fe College here in Gainesville. He runs the Florida Defenders of the Environment, the organization that Marjorie created so many years ago to protect the waters that she loved so dearly. The FDE has been battling this dam for years, and they've continued the fight that defined Marjorie's career ever since. But before we get to that, let's go to the Greenway. You couldn't have asked for a better day to go fishing. It was 80 degrees, mid-June, blue skies and slightly cloudy. A breeze drifted over the trees of the Ocala National Forest and swept away any lingering heat. It was early, the sun just cresting over the tree line, and nearly 20 people were spread out, fishing poles in hand, around the flow of water dumping out of the Kirkpatrick Dam from the Rodman Reservoir. With my mask on, I parked my car along with a handful of others and approached the banks of the canal. There were families on the official docks on either side of the river and people in beach chairs atop the rocks beside the dam itself. The water on either side of the dam, in the reservoir and in the canal, was a glittering blue, but the water that poured through the dam as it passed through the machinery was a murky brown, swirling and spinning. The dam itself is a concrete and metal wall, an imposing structure in the midst of all the natural splendor. The dumping of the reservoir was the loudest sound in the whole forest. Everyone here was quiet, isolated, and relaxed, but the water roared through. The fish, however, were bountiful, and the sky was clear. The decades of conflict surrounding this structure likely didn't even cross the minds of the fishers having a lovely morning. Rodman Reservoir is just one point in a long line of connected spots along the northern edge of the Ocala National Forest that make up part of the Marjorie Harris Carr Cross Florida Greenway. All told, it's 70,000 acres, home to more than 300 sites to dive into the woods. As a concept, it's a corridor in which animals can travel away from humans without dangerous interaction. Humans can, of course, pass into the Greenway, but at its core, it's a green tunnel just for the bears, the deer, everything. One can follow the Connect the Dot locations from Palatka through the small towns around the woods and then all the way west to Yankee Town on the Gulf Coast. There are campgrounds and trailheads all along the route indicating that yes, beyond this parking lot is the Greenway, designated and protected and welcoming to you. Palatka is the eastern edge of the canal, a sleepy downtown along the river. 
In other times, I'm sure Palatka's main street bustles, but in our current conditions, the only thing one can hear is the flow of the river nearby. The town sits right on the border between the St. John's River and the Oklawaha, as Palatka was founded as a port town. If one is to start tracing the route of the Greenway properly, Palatka is where you should start. It's here in Palatka where construction officially begins again in the 60s. Construction of the canal had been halted for nearly three decades, but now President Lyndon B. Johnson was in Palatka. It's February of 1964 and the canal project, after years of no development, is being officially restarted. Technically, the canal project was restarted 22 years previous, back in July of 1942, when Congress passed a bill in the middle of World War II saying that the canal should be completed to help the Navy survive in the midst of the war. But funding was never allocated to the canal, so the project just sat there on somebody's desk. Then the 60s came around, and as President Kennedy heightened the tension of the Cold War, any protections the country could harbor were becoming more and more valuable. As conflict with Cuba elevated and fear of missiles launched from their shores looked like more of a reality, a canal to hide ships in nearby Florida seemed like an obvious solution if war broke out. JFK pushed toward completing the canal, and Johnson picked it up when JFK was gone. So now, it's February of 1964. Johnson is in Palatka to commemorate the beginning of construction that will finally bring the canal to its long-awaited completion. A few miles away to the east, a bomb goes off underneath a railway. Because of the potential threat, Johnson sends in the FBI to catch the culprits. The railway war that we talked about this season was raging on the east coast while Johnson did photo ops by the river. But with the new land cleared upon the president's request, the canal project had begun anew. Now, they hoped, it could be completed. A side note here, part of the canal was constructed before the New Deal construction back in the 30s even was an idea. The western half of the project was already partially built because there was already a, a canal system that was built in, in, in the western peninsula that was uh, uh, intended to ship phosphate out of Florida and then down to the Florida's west coast uh, along the way with Lacucci River. So that was all built uh, around the turn, early turn of the 1900s. Phosphate mining was a huge industry in Dinellan, but that's a story for another day. So, the canal construction begins again, and Marjorie Harris Carr is quick to get in on the fight. She found a lot of people, like-minded people, who were already very well aware of the environmental movement, the budding environmental movement from the 60s. And once, once people got to, to understand the details of this cross-border barge canal project, it was very easy to see that it was a bad idea. And so her skill set was reaching out successfully to a lot of influential people, getting them to come together and, and mobilizing them to oppose this project. Marjorie was lucky. Her timing was just right. She was fighting a foolish and costly project from an environmental standpoint right as the environmental movement was finding a new, fresh energy. This is thanks in large part to a woman named Rachel Carson. Carson is the preeminent environmental writer of the mid-20th century. She published her seminal book, Silent Spring, in 1962, just two years before she passed away from breast cancer at the age of 56. It cannot be overstated how significant this book was in impacting the public consciousness. It turned attention toward the severe environmental problems around the country. 
Riding this wave, Marjorie Harris Carr was able to gather a fierce and vocal group around her who fought for the shared cause. The canal project was bad for Florida's environment, and continuing to build could leave irreparable damage. Here she is, speaking on this fight from a 1990 feature created by the FDE. She's 75 in this video, a tube around her nose to aid with her breathing. Nevertheless, she's very animated in sharing the story of how she killed the canal project yet again in the early 70s. In the 1960s, I became aware that the canal, if constructed, would go down the Ocklawaha River Valley and destroy 45 miles of it. And along with other people, I got very upset over that. And first we tried to move the path of the canal, the route of the canal, and we weren't successful. Then the more we looked into it, we realized that not only would it destroy the river, but it would uh, endanger the Florida aquifer in this part of the state. So then we tried to stop the canal. And we went to court, and we got the facts out. We formed a group in 1969, Florida Defenders of the Environment. And we pulled together all the facts, and in Florida Defenders of the Environment, we are a coalition of specialists. I mean, they're biologists, lawyers, economists, land planners, geologists, and we pulled together the information. And um, early in 1970, we spread it all around during that year, and the media helped. And uh, in January of 1971, the canal was stopped. Marjorie made friends in the environmental community from across the professional fields. It wasn't just scientists or environmentalists, it was legal professionals, advocates, and she harbored their voices into one singular force the Florida Defenders of the Environment. With them at her side in 1969, she sued the Army Corps of Engineers who were leading the project for the canal, and due to legal pressure and public opinion swaying the tide, President Richard Nixon put an end to the canal once and for all. So uh, eventually, um, uh, Florida Defenders of the Environment was uh, successful in uh, actually um, stopping the, the, the project with a, a lawsuit uh, in 1971, January 1971, uh, Judge Barrington Parker up in Washington, D.C. said, yeah, you guys, I think you're right. We need to halt construction of this project. For one thing, you're, you're not in compliance with the, the, the recently enacted environmental act that requires you to do an environmental impact statement. And, um, and so he stopped it. And uh, about four, four days later, Richard Nixon came along and as, you know, being an executive branch, he ordered the Corps of Engineers to stop construction on the project. And Richard Nixon uh, had some political reasons uh, for doing that sure. because you know, he was going to be up for election in 72. Uh, the one-two punch of judicial suspension of construction and the executive branch signing an executive order in 1971 was an ultimate defeat for supporters of the canal. The rivers needed to be preserved now, especially the Ocklawaha River. When the canal project ends in 1971, it looked as though environmentalists had won a huge fight on the Florida Peninsula, and indeed, this is a momentous victory in the field. But the battleground, instead of fading away, merely focused in, and the collected forces gathered around to debate a new spot, 
the Rodman Reservoir. It's important to remember that the reason the canal project was suspended at all was because of the preservation of the Oklawaha River. The Rodman Dam at the reservoir, which sits just a few miles from Palatka, is a blockage of the river. When it was built, it created a false reservoir for fishermen and flooded 7,500 acres of forested wetlands. Jim Gross is in the fight today to end the dam, and he shares precisely why environmentalists have such conflict with dams in the first place. Human beings have been building dams on rivers for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. We've been doing waterworks, certainly not a, on the scale that occurred on the, during the 20th century in North America. But we, we, know, we know what happens when we, when we dam rivers. Um, what we do is we, we uh, block passage of animals that need to go back and forth along that reach of the river where the dam is built. Uh, we know that when we dam rivers that we, and, and impound large bodies of water, we uh, induce uh, larger fluxes of, of evaporation and into the atmosphere, so there's losses of fresh water. Marjorie spent the years after the official end of the canal preparing to take down the Rodman Reservoir, and the Florida government wanted a solution themselves. It took decades, but when the time came for a decision to be made about the canal, they had Marjorie and her defenders, many legislators, and a brand new player on the board. Florida State Senator George Kirkpatrick. George Kirkpatrick was a Democrat who worked out of Tallahassee. He was a dogged fighter in Florida state politics. He is noted in several historical records for being the last guy to give up in a fight and would famously get into rough and tumble political conflicts in the state legislature. Some folks called him a bully, and he did not deny such claims. This did not cease when, in the early 1990s, George Kirkpatrick found himself nose-to-nose -nose with the Florida Defenders of the Environment. Florida was trying to figure out what to do with the canal land. It was a lot of acreage that had been cultivated, and no one knew what to do with it now that the project had been left abandoned for nearly two decades. So the Canal Lands Advisory Committee is formed in the early 90s, made up of concerned citizens and politicians, including, of course, Marjorie. Marjorie, from the jump, saw the idea of a greenway as the most fortuitous usage of all that land, and began pushing for the tearing down of the Rodman Dam. The spot, however, had become a very popular bass fishing lake, and those in Putnam County, where the reservoir rests, didn't want that spot or opportunity to go away. Jim Gross reminds me that a great fishing spot is good for the economy. People will travel to a fishing place like the reservoir and stay in your hotels and eat at your restaurants. Putnam County didn't want to lose a rich vein of ecotourism, and they had an important ally in George Kirkpatrick. Now, Senator Kirkpatrick had a plan, and what happened next changed the fight completely. The following story was cataloged at length in a paper titled, The Wicked Ditch Will Never Die, written by Stephen Knoll and David Tejeter. You heard those names last week. They wrote the book Ditch of Dreams that is extremely important for anything you want to learn about the canal. They tracked the entire Kirkpatrick plan from beginning to end and how he beat Marjorie at her own game. You see, Marjorie had gotten the canal shut down using science and research. Political capital would only go so far, but if you had numbers to back up your belief, you could get anything done. 
Kirkpatrick, through the Florida Senate, asked a scientist from the University of Florida to conduct a new survey, specifically searching for science that went against what the defenders were saying. This research was also partially funded by the Putnam County Chamber of Commerce, so everyone involved in this new research had a very specific angle that they were looking for. The study could be the wall that Kirkpatrick needed against the science of Marjorie's organization. The FDE said the reservoir was bad for the environment, but now Kirkpatrick could say no, actually it's good because it creates a refuge for fish in the area. Anytime they would point to their science, he could point to his. The Florida Defenders of the Environment called the study quote-unquote garbage, and there was no going back now. Marjorie Harris Carr, pushing into her 80s now, called Kirkpatrick a bully and lambasted his political motives to support the dam. There was lots of finger pointing, with the FDE saying Kirkpatrick was secretly threatening to cut the budget of folks if they opposed the dam. Kirkpatrick denied it all with a smooth charm and essentially called the FDE sore losers. It was the end of 1992 by the time Governor Lawton Childs was able to see their recommendations, and their proposal was in Marjorie's favor. The canal would be turned into a greenway. Childs and his cabinet agreed. The land around the canal would become a greenway through Florida, and the water of the rivers, including the Ocklawaha, would be restored. That is, so long as the legislature agreed. And they did, for the most part, except, of course, on freeing the rivers. Kirkpatrick used this loophole to full advantage. For years following this agreement by the governor, he participated in a legislative back and forth in the state government, ordering a new study of the reservoir, publicly feuding with Lawton Childs, and using all his capital in the Senate to push back against every move the cabinet would make. He had assured that the resolution to this problem would essentially linger in legislative hell, unable to be totally resolved. The reservoir, where Kirkpatrick had fished many times, continued to block the water as his adversary grew older and more ill with every passing year. Marjorie knew she was terminally sick and had accepted that, in her lifetime, the Ocklawaha River would not flow free from the Rodman Reservoir. She called Kirkpatrick, quote-unquote, obsessed, and fought, to the end, that natural rivers would be better for everyone, including anglers. Marjorie Harris Carr had worked for nearly 30 years with the Florida Defenders of the Environment to protect this river that had called her so warmly and given her her first historic opportunity. Now, at the end of her life, she dreamed of manatees floating up the river. Instead, political shenanigans blocked the mission she had fought for her whole life. She passed away on October 10, 1997, at the age of 82. Less than a year later, the Greenway was named the Marjorie Harris Carr Cross Florida Greenway. The very next day, they renamed the Rodman Dam. Now, it was the Kirkpatrick Dam. Both names still stand today. When you approach the Rodman Reservoir along the forested roads west of Palatka, there is a sign that reads, Save Rodman Reservoir. Out by the Kirkpatrick Dam, dozens sat along the water, by the canal, and by the reservoir, fishing, just as Kirkpatrick dreamed of before he passed away in 2003. Kirkpatrick won this fight, but if you travel through the rest of the Greenway, you can see how far Marjorie's victories spread. 
When you run along the greenway, you find little pockets where campgrounds, trailheads, and recreational areas hide. The Greenway has multiple functions, uh, as it for Florida. Certainly, it, it is a, a, a place for conservation, wildlife corridors, things of that nature. Um, and restored is going to, to be a, a great thing for fish species, manatees, you name it. Um, but it's also a, a, an incredible recreational amenity uh, for Florida. The, the, the fact that we, we have set aside all this land across from, from the St. John's River uh, all the way across the state to the west coast where you can we have trails i got bicycle trails paddling trails all these kinds of things this, this provides a really a great opportunity to explore uh, parts of central florida uh, in a very natural environment walk beyond the border into the greenway and you will see some of the most gorgeous natural pathways in florida Along the northern edge, beyond the trees, bridges will occasionally rise and below you, the thundering flow of the Ocloaha rages. Sometimes it twists and hides out of sight, but then storms back around into view. The Florida Trail, our cross-state hiking trail, winds through much of this area. One segment of the Florida Trail runs right through the heart of the Greenway, and while hiking, I saw a diamondback snake and deer and a gopher tortoise and some bobcat tracks. If you follow the trail over toward Interstate 75, there's a little trail called the Land Bridge Trailhead. Going into the woods, you will soon wind up at a massive stone bridge that crosses clean over the interstate. It's available for animals to move over the motorway to the western coast of Florida from the central without concern from the hundreds of cars that rocket through that corridor. This bridge is a lifeline. Up there, on that bridge over the roadway speeding below, I feel very close to Marjorie Harris Carr. One of the things that inspires me most about Marjorie as a figure in Florida history is not just that she was an impassioned, vibrant, vocal, and angry advocate for the river she loved so dearly, but also because she did something that so many great Floridians did. She created something that lives beyond her lifetime. She was in her 70s when she entered the last major battle of her life and passed away knowing it wasn't over. When speaking on the dam and the river in the last days of her life, there was no true defeat in her voice. Sure, she was sad that the river would not move free while she was still here, but she said something amazing. Quote, Once the dam is gone, the manatees will be able to come up there during the winter. What a sight that will be. End quote. The key word there, I think, is once. Not if the dam is gone or when the dam is gone once. And now, if you take the time to visit the Greenway, all the things that were perhaps distant dreams for her are no such thing. You have that land bridge, you have the rivers, you have minuscule towns all across the middle of Florida that proudly proclaim that beyond this line right here, you are in the Greenway. And I spent hours along the Greenway and I was never by myself for more than a few minutes. Everyone was there, people riding bikes, folks kayaking along the water, some people sat in inner tubes on Rainbow River, kids played in a park just off the greenway, and small pods of masked people would come by, chittering about the birds and the trees and the blue sky above. It was the first major trip I did after I felt safe enough to go on walks by myself, and seeing the shining bright eyes behind masked faces, enjoying nature after months inside their homes. It all felt like that once that Marjorie was talking about. Once we can go outside, we can see each other out there. She knew 
when she was gone that she had set up a future for us. Which reminds me, Blue Nelson, the archaeologist who I spoke with last week, he told me something really amazing about the town of Santos. This town was bought out from under its black residents in the 30s by the American government, essentially decimating the black community in this part of the state. Nearly a century after that town was wiped out, however, descendants still live on that land. One of those folks, Wayne Little, wanted a baseball field built nearby to commemorate the town his ancestor helped create and to commemorate the history of baseball in Santos. The cool story about the baseball field now is that the uh, Mr. Little and the uh, organizers of the Santos committee uh, successfully lobbied to be able to put a, a standalone park there as, as a memorial to, to Santos. And the reason they chose the baseball park and I guess the whole symbol behind the town now is that there used to be a baseball park, a uh, baseball field across the street from that, uh, just over there where the, uh, I guess it would have been north and east of the railroad tracks. And this baseball field was, you know, just a baseball field where kids went to play. But in the early uh, 20th century, when the Negro Leagues were traveling, they would stop at Santos because, again, it's a railroad that runs right through it. And they would stop within black communities along railroads and play these exhibition games for people who generally weren't going to see them. Like if, you know, if there's a team from Harlem going over to Tampa, you know, the people in the middle of the state don't get to go see that. So you just got a bunch of white people paying to go see them. And so they would stop in black communities or in areas and put on these uh, – games these little you know play games for for these communities and so in these moments in the early 20th century when baseball was being played in santos it was the one time in the community where white people were coming from bellevue and ocala to come watch these games and as mr little put it they found fellowship through baseball it was the one time in the community that brought everybody together and it didn't seem to be a, a color issue it was literally like we're all here to watch baseball and so now that is the symbol of the community as they put a baseball field back out there, kind of across the street from where the original one would have been. Nowadays, the community still holds annual softball games accompanied by a barbecue. Folks from around the area flock to the baseball field and they play a game together. On this land where heartbreak and greed wiped out a town, new generations have miraculously brought community back. When you've reached the end of the Cross Florida Greenway on the West Coast, you take a road called Follow That Dream Parkway. It's named because a movie starring Elvis Presley bore that name and was actually filmed in that area, but again, another story for another time. If you drive Follow That Dream Parkway all the way to its western terminus, you pass over Pumpkin Island and Grassy Creek until you wind up at Bird Creek Beach, right near where the Withlacoochee River pours into the Gulf of Mexico. There is a sunken boat in one of the estuaries and a dozen people clogging the bridge, fishing. An elderly couple was having a picnic and a trio of children ran along the tiny rock beach. I'd finally reached the end of the Greenway, from Palatka to the Rodman Reservoir, from the Ocala National Forest to the ruins of Santos, all the way to here. 500 years ago, the Spanish only dreamed of being able to do such a thing, and I did it in an air-conditioned sedan. If Marjorie Harris Carr can teach us one thing, it's this. We will get better. Not miraculously so, but we will get better. 
And, as Marjorie said, what a sight that will be. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I'm so glad that you are here for the Season 4 finale. If you are brand new to this show, or if the Cross Florida Greenway was your first story with Wait 5 Minutes, welcome. There are some really amazing stories waiting for you. If you're looking for a good place to jump in, you don't need to go all the way back to the beginning. I would recommend checking out the episodes about the other Marjories in Florida's history, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings. Those women have such amazing stories, and you can check them out at the links below. If you did enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review below. It helps the show become more visible, and honestly, it means the world to me that you tell me what you love about this show. You can also find me and share the episodes on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WFMPod. If you want to send me a message, you can do so at WFMPod at gmail.com, and you can find my personal account on Twitter at WFMNick. I look forward to hearing from you. I'd like to give a very special thank you to Jim Gross from the Florida Defenders of the Environment. They are doing some extremely important work over there, and I'd recommend you go to their website and learn more about Florida's rivers, especially the extremely vital Ocklawaha River. I'd also like to thank Blue Nelson, whose research on Santos was invaluable for this two-part story. If you want to see more of his work, check him out on the History Channel, where he has two shows, Found and America's Lost Vikings. If you want to read even more about the Cross Florida Canal and all the complicated details within, check out the book Ditch of Dreams, written by David Tejeter and Stephen Knoll. It was an essential resource for these episodes. I cannot recommend it enough. I'd also like to thank our friends over at Orlando Weekly. They are one of the local newspapers here in my hometown, and they recently honored Wait 5 Minutes with the accolade Best History Lessons. I've been doing this show for over two years, and when I created it, it was me sitting at my desk trying my best to write something I was proud of. And the fact that people have listened and have chosen to celebrate it in such a public forum, I cannot put into words how overwhelming and incredible and meaningful that is to me. Thank you again to them, and thank you again to you for listening. And thank you to Lauren Nix, whose photography has carried us through the last two seasons. I'm hoping that Lauren and I can do some more work together very soon. When we do, you'll be the first to hear about it. You can check out more of her photography at lauren.nix.photo. Her last name, Nix, is spelled N-I-X. All the music used in this episode is from Lobo Loco. You can find more of their fabulous music at the link below. The next episode will be the Season 4 epilogue, and it will be coming out a little sooner than usual. You can expect it this upcoming Friday, a little send-off to this wonderful summer season we've had together. I'll tell you more about the off-season mini-episodes and Season 5 in that episode. You can expect that on Friday, September 4th. Until then, I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. Wear a mask when you go outside. And please... Drink more water. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.